We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are in the last of a series um, that we've been working our way through over the last few weeks called Overflow. And today I want to address a rather inconvenient truth about life. And um, that is, we can't really hide who we truly are. Now, I'm sure you've tried to do this over the years, but um, you've probably had a few things in your character that you go, I'd rather hide that, I'd rather other people not know about that. But then in your weaker moments, they kind of come out. You know, that's uh, kind of how things work. But the, the good thing about this is that it, it works both ways, right? So bad stuff comes out of our life as well. 43, and I'm just looking at my media person has disappeared on me. Um, sorry, thank you, Stephen, if you can uh, whip that up. So Luke chapter 6, verse 43, Jesus says this, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs never are gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What really comes out is, is from it. Or another translation is from the overflow of the heart. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we've got to work on well, what's going on in our heart because other people are going to experience it somewhere along the line. And usually probably the people closest to us, isn't it? How that generally works out, because they're the ones that push the buttons the most. Um, so what we've been doing in this series over the last month or so is we've been doing a deep dive into those areas of our heart to go, what's really going on down in our character, down in who we are, our identity, if you like. And I hope you've discovered over the weeks that we've gone through this that as we surrender to Christ, as we allow Christ to do a, a deep dive into our hearts and do a spotlight into some of those areas that we've been hiding from him, and we surrender those areas to him, what then happens is God has allowed access. We've given God space to work in that area of our lives, and his spirit comes in, and he does change us. He fills us with that space that we filled with a whole lot of other things and things we're trying to hide that are now exposed, that are now surrendered to him. We become free of those things. Yeah, exactly. We become free of those things and God then is able to do a work in us to bring good stuff out. So what the world will then experience is his Holy Spirit right? It's not just going to be you. It's not going to be about you doing some good stuff and doing good things. This isn't a, like a, a moral lecture on how to be good in the world out there. It's, it's, a, it's a passion plea to allow your life to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that it's the Holy Spirit that comes out when you're interacting with others. That's the overflow that we're talking about. So last week, John T. looked at what does that overflow look like? And the overflow of that is the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And I'm sure as you've been going through this week, you've been, uh, I was talking to some people about this during the week and they're going, oh yeah, might, might need to do some work in some of these areas as, as we go through. But it's, it's really allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work. It's allowing ourselves to go on the journey where it's God doing that transformation. So where are we landing with all of this? Where, what's the last thing that I really want you to grasp hold of this morning as we kind of wrap up the series. And it's this, that as we take God's life to others, as we take God's life to the world around us, God will bless that which is of truly of him. I don't know if you've noticed this, but things that you do in your own strength, it kind of often doesn't work out that well. But as you do God's work in God's strength, he will bless that. Looking at quite a long passage this morning just to give you a, um, a picture of this. It's found in Acts chapter 19. And the context here is um, Ephesus, which is in the western side of Turkey, what, what we would know as Turkey now, um, had no church. This is the sort of beginning of the church movement around the world. And so here, here you've got a significant city in the ancient world. Like think of, you know, New York or London or Paris, one of those big cities. It's one of the, the mega cities of the, the Roman world. Not that it was that big. It was only probably about the size of Christchurch. But for the ancient world, that was a big city. So Paul arrives in this city and there's only a handful of Christians. There's no established church yet. And so we pick up this story in Acts chapter 19 and verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Well, the, the, it wasn't even called the church then. It was just the way of Christ. So Paul left them. He took his disciples and, with him, and he went and had daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years. So he spent two years in the city. So that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, which is kind of western Turkey now, heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and the illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burnt them publicly. When they calculated the number or the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma, which is a lot of money. In this way, the word of the Lord spread and grew in power. See, notice what's happening here is that Paul, who has had a genuine 
life-changing encounter with God, who is now full of God's spirit and who now extends that life as he goes and speaks about God and his kingdom to other people, it has an effect. People are, uh, people are encountering God. People are getting saved. People are being healed. People are being delivered. The, the kingdom of God is advancing. The church becomes a significant church in the ancient world in Ephesus. Actually, the very next chapter, he, he had traveled away and then he comes back to meet with the elders and there's a whole team of elders in this church um, now. So the church had grown significantly um, from the time that Paul was preaching there and afterwards. And so here's the point that I'm making, rather than getting into all the details of the passage, what I want you to see here is that God blesses that which is of him. Do you get that? See, because Paul was in line with what God wanted him to do, he was obedient, he, was, he had the, the right motivation, he was doing it in the right way as he, as he approached Ephesus and ministered God's life. God went, hey, that's what I'm blessing, that's what I'm doing, I'm with you, go for it. And here's the point that I want you to get today, is the same God that empowered Paul is the same God that is on you. As you take his life out into the world around you, out into your workplaces, out to your school, out into your family and connections, as you are prayerfully obedient to God, God will see it and God will bless that which you do, that is of him. Now, don't just do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your own way. But as you seek God and go, God, what do you have me do today? How do I bring your kingdom to the world around me today? How do I, what does that look like in my workplace or in, in my context or in the people that I'm going to meet up with today? What will that look like? And if you're obedient to that, if you're coming with that, if you're approaching that in love and, and, and passion for the world around you, God will see it and bless it. Now, what happens in Ephesus just after this, you can carry on reading if you like. Um, we won't do it today, but you can carry on reading during the week. Is the business owners of Ephesus, it actually starts affecting their business. So many people become Christians in Ephesus that they stopped worshipping Artemis, who was the, the Greek god. There was a big temple to Artemis just outside the city. And, um, and, and she was worshipped. And so all these people would go, come into the city and buy all these trinkets and things like this from this, the business owners and take it up to the temple as part of their worship. But the businesses aren't doing so well now. Because all these people are becoming Christians and they're going, well, I don't want to go to the temple of Artemis anymore. I'm not going to buy these trinkets. And so the business owners stir up all this trouble and go, we've got to get this guy Paul out of here. He's trouble. And, and so what they do is they, they kind of incite a riot in the city. And you're thinking, oh, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to incite a riot in my workplace. I don't, want, I don't want to do anything like that. But here's the thing is that God was still with Paul. And God protected Paul. He protected the church. He protected Paul. And, and the whole situation was resolved. Even if you encounter difficulties as you walk in obedience to God, as you overflow in your life to others, there'll be some challenges. But God will be with you as you do it. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, the first part of it says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those 
whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is actually looking. He's actually wanting to extend his kingdom. He's wanting his life to overflow into St. Martin's and Christchurch and the world around us. And he's actually going, who's going to work with me to do this? That's sobering, isn't it? That, that God is actually right there with us. He's watching us and he's going, now, as you do this, I'm watching to see what your attitude is like and how you act out those attitudes, how you do it in a loving way. What we do and how we do it matters. One of the most challenging passages for me in this regard is in the, the letters in the second and third chapter of Revelation. And in those chapters in Revelation, you've got a record of Jesus looking at seven churches, which, by the way, one of them is Ephesus. And there's a number of six other churches around the um, area of Asia Minor there. And he says, this is what I'm looking for. And as you read through those letters, you'll see that God is looking for hearts that are truly committed to him. He's going, I'm looking at at how you approach this. I'm looking at your motivation. I'm looking at how you go about it because how you do it matters. How you honour me and the message that you hold, I will hold you accountable to that. And we've seen in church life, like you've, many of you have been around church and Christians for a while, and you've seen this done really, really well. You can think of ministries that you've been a part of or ministries that you've been under and it's been a tremendous blessing to you and you go, yep, God has blessed that. I I can see God's hand of blessing upon that. And then there have been probably other people and if you've been around church long enough where a church has really let you down or church leaders have significantly let you down. And I'm sorry that that's happened, and it, and it shouldn't happen. I, I get that. But that's why we've got to be so careful as we hold the life that God has given us before him, that we hold it well. Does that make sense? That we check our attitudes, we check our actions, and we're accountable for them. And we open our lives up to each other and say, hey, keep me to account on this. Now, I will do that for you, and you need to do that for me. And, and people in this congregation do. And actually, I honour you for that. You say, hang on a minute, Warren. You know, just what you said there, I'm not so sure about that. That's good. That is a, a healthy thing to do, just by the way. It's good. Brothers and sisters in Christ should keep each other accountable. Why? Because we want this genuine partnership with God where God is blessing what he's doing here in St. Martin's C3. He's blessing what you're doing in your family and how he's working in your life and your workplace. Right? We want that. Do we want that? Yes. Cool. So let's make sure that we are walking with God and all that we can in obedience to him. Now, how do we do that? That's the, that's the, that's the tricky bit. Okay, how, how do we kind of stay on track on this? We're like Paul going into Ephesus. In our situation, we're right on track with, with what God is doing in us and around us. Well, here's the first one, and it's, you can follow it through your notes. The one, uh, one thing that I think is really helpful to do, a helpful discipline, if you like, to put in our lives, is to reflect on where our motivation is coming from. Why am I doing this? 
you know, really look harder, ask yourself that question. Because as I talk to people, I, I have, a, have a role now with Mind Health where I um, supervise a lot of other pastors and leaders around the country. And it's fascinating insight as you, as you talk to various ones. And it's interesting as we kind of do a deep dive into their motivation and their life and how they approach their ministry or how they approach their workplace or whatever situation they're in. And as we, as we do that, things come up and they go, oh, haven't really thought about that before. Because, and it's those areas where we're not willing to reflect, we're not willing to open up to ourselves or others where we go, oh, I know that's a bit of an issue. That's what catches us out eventually. It, it's just a little thing, but it just keeps growing in our lives. You know, uh, you, you, you would have seen this before where, um, you know, you, you look at a church leader in particular, and, they, and all of a sudden out in the media or, you know, it becomes known or they resign or whatever because some major moral catastrophic failure happens in their life and you go how did that happen well they just got really really good at hiding it and faking the genuine and see that and you can think oh well that's just for church leaders no it's for all of us we all have to be willing to be completely real about who we are our motivations where we're coming from Am I doing this with God's love, with, with God's intent as I am working with people around me? Is this conversation the way Jesus would have this conversation? Or have I got a hidden agenda here? Is there something that I'm wanting out of this rather than for the benefit of the other person? So how we keep it genuine, how we keep our faith real so that we're not hypocrites, as we live our lives in front of the world around us, as we check our motivation. And, and if someone calls you out on that and goes, hey, mate, yeah, I'm kind of seeing some things here that I don't like, don't, don't brush it off. Don't sort of go, ah, what's it to you? Like, you know, actually go, yeah, okay, what do you see? Tell me about it. I need to know. Yeah, I might not be coming, I might not be approaching this with the right motive. I wish I had done this a lot more when I was younger. I look back now, especially in my 20s and 30s, and go, oh, man, uh, you know, a, a lot of my motivation was maybe to look good myself or to, um, I don't know. I, sometimes I don't even know what my motivation was, but it wasn't a, a true motivation. It wasn't a pure motivation. And I also get that we're on a bit of a journey on this. Like, as you do a bit of a deep dive into this or get called out on this, we, there's a bit of mixed motives. I, I totally appreciate that, where your, your motive could be to really bless and help someone, but if you kind of look good in the, in the, while you're doing it, you kind of go, well, that would be nice along the way. Now, I, I kind of get that. We're all on that journey. But as we mature in Christ, surely our motives should become more pure rather than corrupted. Does that make sense? Surely we should be able to go on that track where we... We pause and reflect and say, God, refine my motives. Let me, let me just do a wee check here and make sure that I'm doing it from a place of your life, from a place 
where, where you're coming from, what you want. So when we're singing songs like, this is the heart, and God, give me your perspective on the world around us, that ought to shape our heart, it should shape our perspective, and should reveal things in our lives that are not of God. So that's the first thing. How do we keep it genuine? How do we keep it real? How do we avoid hypocrisy as a Christian? We take a, a reflective look at our motivations of our heart and go, am I coming from, is, is the foundation in the right place? Am I just doing this for money or for looks or, or whatever? Or is it coming from a genuine heart to serve God? Here's the second one, and it's, I'm reading from a passage here in 1 Peter chapter 3. And um, Peter is, this is a letter of encouragement to the churches where the churches have gone along quite well and they've grown and extended all around the Roman Empire. But now they're being persecuted. So now um, people are pushing back a bit and going, oh, these Christians... And, and um, Peter's going, hey, just stay true. A, b- a bit like kind of the main point that I'm saying today is, is Peter's saying, just stay close to Christ. Keep your motives pure. Think about your actions. Do it in a loving way. Do it in a right way. And even if the world pushes back on you, even if people around you push back a bit and they, they criticize you or call your names, don't worry about it. God will be with you. Just make sure your heart is in the right place first. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not going to uh, go into the details of this passage, but if you want to, the devotional notes um, this week take a bit of a, a deeper look into this passage we're going to read together. So here, First Peter 3, verse 8. Peter says this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Man, isn't that hard to do sometimes in your your situation? Repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. What does seeking peace in your workplace, in your home, look like? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared to do that? If someone asked you this week and said, what's this Christianity thing about? Like, why do you believe what you do? Would you have an answer for them? But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. See, here's the thing. We are in a space at the moment as a country where Christianity is being challenged more and more. 50 years ago, maybe, 
uh, Christianity may have been just accepted as, hey, it's a good thing, and, and um, no one's sort of challenging the, the central premises or morals of Christianity, but we're not in that world anymore. You know, if, if, if you're not aware of it, we live in a very secular nation. And as we interact with people, as we take a stand as, um, as, as a church, as Christians, there will be challenges as we do that. And by the way, as we're doing that, uh, we, even as Christians, we may not all agree on certain issues and we just need to respectfully disagree with each other on certain things. But on the core things, as we agree on that, as we, as we take Christ to the world around us, as we honour Christ, as Peter says in all that we do, we have to be willing for people to put the spotlight on us and go, okay, so how are you doing? So you preach all this stuff. Is this genuine for you? Like, has, has God really changed you? Do you actually live this out, what you preach? We've got to be prepared for this. If we make a stand against something as, in, as, as a nation, then we have to be prepared for that. Uh, by the way, this week, um, on Thursday afternoon, Friday and Saturday morning, here in this space, we've got 550 Christian teachers from around the nation gathering, and we're going to pray, and we're going to hear some speakers and things like that, how we stand as Christian schools um, against some of the pressure that's coming on us um, as, as Christian schools. So if, you've, if you can um, uh, pray for that this week, that would be fantastic as we, as we host that conference here. It's going to be a really interesting time. But as we do this, there are going to be some challenges. Uh, I, I haven't sort of talked much about this before, but around about a year ago, I happened to be in the media for um, a reason that was not for my asking. And, um, and, and it was pretty tough. Uh, it, it wasn't true. Well, it's not so much that it wasn't true. There was an inference there. My name was dropped in, into this media article, um, tagged to something that was very remote, something that I had absolutely nothing to do with, but I was implied that I had something to do with it. And uh, man, it's, I tell you what, it's challenging. I, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've, you know, you may have been accused of something that you didn't do, or maybe you have. Uh, being attached to something that you're going, well, hang on. And everything in you just wants to rise up and go, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, that's not her. But as I sought some wise counsel from wise people around me, they said, Warren, just do nothing. And, and I went, but it's not true. <laughs> like, I need to put it right. But of course, as soon as you start doing that, as soon as you start, then the spotlight comes on you and they're going to tease out every word. And I said, well, bring it on, you know, like, let's go, you know. And they went, calm down, just chill out, she'll be fine. And, and they made a very good point. They said, Warren, if anything does come out, they're going to look into it, they're going to find that it's not true and the story will just fizzle out anyway. And as it turns out, that's exactly what happened. But here's the point that I'm making is that it's not just for people like me that maybe have some profile and um, might get a spotlight on me, but there are people around you, your family members, your workplace colleagues, people that you're in contact with, they're watching your life. They're watching my life. And they're going, do the actions line up with the heart? Do the actions line up with the motivation? And what Peter's saying here is, 
think carefully about how you act in the world around you, how you conduct yourself in the world around you. Be wise. Be wise in how you interact with the world around you. So there's a couple of things to help us sort of keep on track. God will bless us as we take his life to the world around us. As we overflow the Holy Spirit that is in us, as that life that is God's life overflows out of us, it will bring life, it will bring healing, it will bring wholeness, it will bring hope to a hurting, dying world around us. Absolutely that will happen. And how we maintain our hearts in a right place for God to bless that which he is doing through us is first of all checking that our motives are pure. Letting God refine our motivations. And then carefully thinking through, how, how am I going about this? And in regard to that, let's use each other. Like the example that I just used, it's wise to seek counsel, okay? When you're under pressure or you're in a situation at work and you just don't know how to respond, it was probably best to say nothing at that point and then at Connect Group or at church or ring other Christians that you know and just say, hey, I've got this situation. What would you do in this situation? And it's amazing how God fills his community with wisdom to help each other out as they go on this journey. That's what Peter's saying here. Be humble, be open to being receiving teaching from other people so that they can see those blind spots in you and we can grow together. Because we as a church and we as individuals want to see God changing the world around us. Is that true? I hope. I hope that's true. But may we do it from a from the right motives. May we do it with a pure heart. May we do it with wisdom and grace and love. And as we do that, we will see God bless it. We will see God do extraordinary things. The same God that turned Ephesus upside down can turn Christchurch upside down. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.